2: Hopefully Edwin Diaz isn't really hurt. He might be
1: gosh that would be the only thing that could put a damper on a great night for baseball. And a great win for Puerto Rico. Gosh you can only hope it's not as bad as it looks based on those faces.
2: You know obviously tough blow um, no doubt about it one of the best closures in baseball um, if not the best so um, you know losing that's not easy but um, you know I don't think any team that uh, I don't know I, I can't think of any team that's ever gone through an entire season and not had a you know some sort of major blow um, you know it's a tough game to, to stay healthy so um, it's just tough to have it at this point of the year you know the optimism is so high and um, everybody's ready to go and um, then that happens, you know, it's tough, but, um, also, I think, you know, eh, you have to remain positive and, um, you know, the, sometimes the, the best moments, uh, in your career or in a season or whatever come from, um, you know, tough situations. Um, you know, so hopefully at the end of the year, we can be standing there victorious and Edwin can be up there with us and, um, you know, we can all we can all celebrate together. That's the obvious goal. We just lost one of the best pitchers in the game, but
1: I just feel bad for Edwin. I know how emotional he was about it. He had been, he was so appreciative of the confidence and everything that the organization's showing him and everything, and he was looking so forward to repaying that, so that kind of tugs at me. I know throw out all the other things and whatever it may effect it may have on us, Personally, I don't, it's not where I am right
3: now. Uh, This has played out in the manner that it has. Um, What was
2: your, what's your reaction to that dynamic? I
1: don't, you know, I don't dwell. You know, obviously everybody's got some personal thoughts. I don't think this is the time that I'm going to express those type of things. I am you know, we can sit here and you guys can debate all that. I'm not going to get involved in, you know, all that stuff with the WBC. It's something that, you know. A lot of different teams, not just us, are participating in it, and they understand the risk involved. So you know, it's not going to be a woe is me and the sky is falling." We're going to we're going to get after it. And you know, every once in a while, the teleprompter breaks, and you got to be ready to go.
3: It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Friday, March the 17th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and do the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Mike Salat, talkametspodcast.com. You can also check me out on Instagram, no G. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network, as well as RisingApple.com. Well, there are no good things that come out of, during spring training, me coming to you. Not on my regular Sunday Grapefruit Roundup spot. And I don't have to tell you, you heard the intro. Tried to put a little something together to build up the drama. It's now more than 24 hours since this incident happened over at the WBC between Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. The thunderbolts of all thunderbolts. And Edwin Diaz now lost for the season, torn patella tendon. There are times when you wake up as a sports fan that you get such great, exhilarating news. You know, you go to bed, you think the sports world is one way. You wake up, it's another way. It usually happens during free agency. We saw it during the whole Correa thing. How excited was Metsland when in the middle of the night, Steve Cohen, at that time, I know we keep mentioning Correa had signed, or well, we had thought he'd signed Correa, to a, a record deal. West Coast trips, sometimes you go to bed, maybe the team is down, doesn't look like they're going to win, you wake up, wow, great ninth inning comeback, or whatever sport you're watching. Then there are times where you wake up and your heart drops. And what was interesting about yesterday is that I get on, and in the morning I like to scroll through the news. I usually pop on Twitter to see the feed, to see what kind of news comes up. And for some reason I had clicked on my mentions. And when I saw my mentions, I saw all these responses, and I see Thunderbolt next to all of them. I'm like, oh no, Like you know that's good, because anybody who listens to the show knows that here we use the term Thunderbolt for a jarring event that a team experiences throughout you know, the organization, the season, whatever. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, no, my heart dropped. What happened? And then I see the news, and I'm like, wait, he got hurt during a celebration? This can't be a major injury. This has got to be media blowhard uh, situation. This has got to be the media blowing something up. And I'm looking at the replay, and I'm looking at the video, and I'm like, I don't see what happened. I see a guy do what he does all the time. He strikes out the side in the ninth inning, and then I see them celebrate. Nothing over the top. I think there'll be playoff celebrations this season that are going to be wilder than that one. Maybe WBC celebrations going forward that are wilder than that one. And Diaz just crumbles to the floor. And you could be as positive as you want. You want to rationalize. You want to do a prayer circle. You want to do whatever you do. I'll tell you why. Um, no good comes out of a player being wheeled off the field. I mean, I was thinking of Ronald Acuna Jr. a couple of years ago. uh a, a, you know, and and myriad of NBA players, Porzingis, you know, guys that have blown their knee out. Turns out it's a patella tendon tear. Diaz has already had surgery, giving you the thumbs up from his uh, hospital bed. And you know, as of today, after this show, uh, we and the Mets, more importantly. We move on from Edwin Diaz in 2023. He'll be back. He's not gone forever. It's not a shoulder. It's not an arm. But this is our Edwin Diaz therapy session. So uh, that's how we started off. I will try to start off with some good news because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is not good. And this is a huge blow to the Mets' chances in 2023. Here's the good news. I just mentioned Acuna Jr. Braves lost him a couple of years ago. Uh, I think they won the World Series. And that is, and you want to talk about analytics. You don't believe in analytics. You don't want to, let's just put it aside. couple of things. Analytically, out of all the core Mets players, Alonzo, Verlander, Scherzer, Lindor, Nimmo, you don't want to put McNeil in there, Marte, you could throw anybody who you consider a core player. This was the most palatable star to lose, analytically. It's not the most important position. So let's start there. So that's that's some good news. Doesn't sugarcoat how you feel this morning, but that's some good news. Want to dive deep in a, uh, a little further? Fangraphs. Let's go to some analytics. Fangraphs has Diaz as the best reliever in all of baseball. Diaz was worth three wins above replacement last year. That's the best reliever worth three wins. The next level, let's go to the mid-tier closers or relievers. Let's just say closers, relievers. Chris Martin, 1.6. Hector Neris, Kerosene on the Fire in Philadelphia, out in Houston, 1.6. Colin McHugh, you guys remember him, out out in Atlanta, 1.4. So you're talking, you know, Rafael Montero, 1.5, just got a big contract in in Houston. Uh, Raziel Iglesias, uh, Atlanta's new closer, 1.6. So you're talking about the Mets right now, losing one to one-and-a-half wins over the course of a season. Does it end the season? No, it did not end the season. Precedent? You want precedent? The the 2012 Yankees lost Mariano Rivera in the outfield in Kansas City sometime around May. They still won 95 games, won the division. Yeah, they didn't win the World Series, but there were other things that happened there that caused that. It wasn't necessarily the Yankees' bullpen at that point. And similar to this Mets team, they had Rafael Soriano, who was a closer setting up for Rivera. Mets had Robertson. Robertson was actually on that squad, ironically, in that bullpen. And I looked at that bullpen after Robertson and Soriano. It wasn't above and beyond great shakes. I think the Mets' bullpen has potential to be better. So that's the good news. There's some ability to take a hit Here, And if you talked about which part of the roster this hit could be taken, this area, I think, could take a hit more so than parts of the offense and certainly the starting pitching. Now, the good news is going to end there because this cannot be judged just by analytics. And I'm going to say it right now, and, and that might annoy some people, but it's true. Why is that? Well... I think Edwin Diaz has evolved in a lot of ways to the Mets heart and soul and if you think about 2023 yes you had the big season by Pete Alonso and you had the the top of the rotation with Scherzer and DeGrom the, the you know the big performances there and Adam Avino in that bullpen certainly had a big part and you look up and down the offense the years by McNeil and Nimmo and Marte and the Mets certainly were a team that everybody kind of came together to build this in some cases, I think the sum is is greater than the parts. In some cases. And the reason for that is they were lights out in the ninth inning. When was the last time? Think about it. Yes, Diaz blew saves, but the Mets would largely win those games. I think we had that stat. The Mets did not lose a game when they led in the ninth inning all year. All year. Braves lost about seven or something like that, maybe, you know, around there. Big, big difference. Big difference. In terms of the 88-win Phillies and the 101-win Mets. And I think psychologically, when the trumpets played, yeah, it was a marketing shtick. But it's a song and a theme for the game is over. Psychologically, the other team knew they had long odds. And if you don't think psychologically that doesn't play into things, well, I got news for you. Forget the top teams in the league. Think about a team... On the road, down two runs, Sunday, long road trip. They look out. They see Diaz. They're like, I'm going to get out of here. It just increases, anecdotally increases the win probability. The guy strikes out nearly two out of three batters he faces. People don't make contact off of him. That is a weapon in the ninth inning that you cannot just measure analytically. You can't just say, this guy's a 1.5. War, this guy's a three. There is far more variability in a save by Arasil Iglesias than there is with Edwin Diaz. And you want to say Diaz had a career year and maybe Diaz falls between Diaz of the horrible Diaz and the incredible Diaz Does he falls somewhere in between? Maybe. Maybe there is some component to that. But here's a guy that was rewarded with a big contract, has been through hell and back in New York. Nobody usually survives that. Edwin Diaz's story never ends with the type of success he had and the type of a reward of a contract he had. When he starts out and gets the scorn from the media, is involved in a controversial trade, and the fans literally probably would have walked this guy to an airport more times than one and more times than just 2019 and come out on the other side the way he did. It just doesn't happen. He is – different and from the day they acquired him and the day i saw him in person watching him pitch i knew this guy was something special that we had never seen this kind of guy come out of the bullpen i think one of the first times i knew this guy was special was his first year that horrible year philadelphia ninth inning i think it was harper real muto and and maybe hoskins and he went bing bang boom gone and i'm like wow that that's a closer. Mets haven't had that in a while. Johnny Franco didn't do that. Billy Wagner, Hall of Fame or not, had some awesome years. More, You know, good years with the Mets. Really awesome years with Houston and Philadelphia and with Atlanta later on. He didn't do that here. Randy Myers, maybe. Jesse Orozco, maybe at times. But I don't think anybody's ever done what Diaz, Diaz has done. I'm invoking, evoking history here that maybe I haven't seen enough of. You guys can give me feedback. Mike Silva TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No, forget 2023. When he's on, whether it's 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, whatever. Uh, when he's on, I don't think there's any Mets closer better. And I think he's one of the best closers Uh, with stuff. This side of uh, Mariano. I mean, I don't think that that's just... Uh, lionized statements. I really believe that I'm not saying it's Mariano Rivera, but for the Mets, he's as much Rivera as Rivera was to the Yankees in 2012. And and he tore his knee up and he came back and he was still Mariano Rivera for a couple of years. And as big of a hit as that was for the 2012 Yankees, I don't remember that Yankees team crawling into a hole and dying and saying the season is over. And if there's a time of the year where something like this is a little easier, at least at spring training. Psychologically, you don't have to go out and play a competitive series road trip ball game. You could, you know, everybody's scattered about doing their WBC thing. So that makes it a hell of a lot easier. So maybe that's a fortuitous situation. I'm giving you some positives, but let me tell you and be clear there is no sugarcoating uh, this. And I'll even say from an analytics side, there is a hurt to this, and I'll give you my analytics, and I don't have any you know, calculator here. This is no back of the paper bag math, back of the napkin math. I'm not doing that. I'm giving you good old Mike Silva talking Mets common sense. Think about the margin of error when the Mets – and we'll talk about postseason down, way, way, way down the road because that ain't a conversation for any time soon. You don't have the right, no matter who you are, to be talking or thinking postseason in March or April in a realistic sense other than conceptually. But think about when the Mets stack up at any point this season, in a series, at playoffs, road trip, whatever, against some of the elite teams in their league. Let's just talk the National League. The Braves, the Padres, the Phillies, the Cardinals, uh, uh, the Dodgers. I know the Dodgers have taken a, a step back. All of that. When you start to stack up and look at teams and you start to see as you division race, let's just talk Braves and Phillies, the marginal differences between the two clubs, the three clubs, there is not the gap between Diaz and their closer, which could be 30 to 40% difference in performance. That's huge in a very thin, probable uh Difference, very thin difference between elite teams. Uh Pete Alonso and Bryce Harper, whether you like one or the other offensively, they're not 30 or 40% differently better. Trey Turner and Lindor. You know, you could go conglomerate. You want to conglomerate the offenses. The Braves offense versus the Mets offense, not player by player. Not 30 or 40% better. One might be better than the other, and there might be some gaps. But there is nowhere on that roster that I think the advantage is so much in the Mets' favor. We took the psychological component. I'll give you my analytics. is with Diaz. And you just lost that. Yeah, I read John Heyman's article this morning. Robertson has the experience in New York. The moxie. He's, you know, certainly been through the wars. But he's not lights out like Diaz. And now you moved everybody up. So that advantage where maybe the sixth inning you were ahead, I mean, this was an exciting bullpen that I was looking forward to. The last Mets bullpen that really was lights out and could do what this bullpen might have been able to do, which potentially give you 12 really high leverage outs, like where you could go and and pretty much throw a guy who could potentially be an eighth or ninth inning guy in the sixth inning. You haven't been able to really say that since 2006. I mean, even last year's Mets, they were very fortunate to navigate the season. They couldn't last year's Mets couldn't navigate Diaz being out for the year because you had Otavino and, you know, you were you were trying to figure out some of the other, you know, with Lugo, who was never the same, some of the other options. Games were not 27 outs with Diaz, they were 24. I remember last year when we were counting outs, the starter could give you 18 good outs, and then you could squeeze another three to six outs. Between this guy and that guy. All you need to do is get, you know, six outs because Diaz's three are pretty much guaranteed. You know, you were really only worried about, once the starter got through their part of the game, you were worried really about three to five, maybe six outs tops. That's probably not the case anymore. You know, this is a certain degree, and this is the anecdotal part again, Diaz, losing Diaz is like Samson was the old mythology. Samson without the hair. You just gave back those three outs to variability. Who else in baseball? You tell me. How do you feel in the ninth inning with Diaz when it's Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Real Muto coming up, or Soto, Machado, Bogarts, Atlanta with Acuna Jr. in the middle of a top of the lineup on the road in Atlanta? I don't care what you think about David Robertson. You feel, I think you feel a little bit better about Diaz. And this hurts because you ain't going to see it. And forget about just the fun part that it hurts. The marketing, the trumpets, how the fans come to Citi Field and they have their foam trumpets and the song. Hurts. Sucks. We're not going to see it now for another year. I mean, the good news is you hope that he, you know, that surgery went well. You hope that he heals well. It's not his arm. Maybe you save some bullets on that contract where, you know, you get a little bit more out of the back end of the contract than you thought because he's got a year to rest and save some bullets in that arm. But this hurts. I mean, as I'm talking about it, I felt better coming in, you know, after marinating on this thing for a day and doing some of my own, as I like to do, perspective here. I felt better when I came to you just a few minutes ago, just 10 minutes ago, opening the program. And now as I, I hear myself talk, I'm like, you know, this this sucks. But as I said, this is the therapy edition of the Diaz uh, out for the year part of the program. We're not talking about this. And I, and I promise you, every time a save is blown, and there'll be saves blown this year. They even if Diaz was the closer, I couldn't imagine him living up to that perfect standard that he had set last year. It's so hard. That was one of the 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 things I was going to look for early in the season, not just with Diaz, but with some of the other guys that signed big contracts. How are they adapting to now the fact that they're paid and the expectations have been raised? That's for the whole team, but more so for some of these individual guys. Nemo, Diaz, McNeil. So this is and, – and the thing that you could really – one thing you could really feel good about is – You have the right manager that will not allow them to wallow in this. Yeah, they're not going to be able to because they're all spread out. They're not playing regular season games where there's a hangover. Buck has always said, nobody feels sorry for you in this league. And nobody feels sorry for the Mets. I mean, it's funny. We talked about all pretty much off season about the pressure. I played you the Eric Chavez clip. I talked about the economic arrows pointed at the Mets very early in spring training. Now all that stuff all of a sudden is coming out in the media. hear Brandon Nimmo even talking about it. The league is happy today that the Mets took a hit. They're not happy that Diaz is out. Nobody wants to see somebody be hurt like that. The league is happy. Now, you look at, and I'll put the other thing aside here. There's some fantasy. The reaction out there by the fans, it's always going to be silly. I get that. Silliness is, especially on Twitter and social media, silliness always is part of the equation. But people already say, well, the Mets got to go out and get themselves an elite closer. I want somebody. There ain't nobody available. I know I heard about Alexis Diaz's brother. That would be a great union great union. Guy was not Diaz level. He was more Diaz prior. To, you know what Alexis Diaz reads statistically? Edwin Diaz from 2021, Edwin Diaz from 2022. And I'm sure as 25 year old he can only get better and he's got blood uh, that could teach him some of the tricks that he's been taught. Finished 5th and rookie of the year. First year in the league, Arbit- you know, cost effective for two more years. What is Cincinnati's not going to give him up? You want to give up Mauricio? You want to give up Beatty? You want to give up one of those guys? Yeah, they'll probably give him up. That's a. As much as I'm not convinced about Mauricio or Vientos as, you know, the kind of impact that some think they're projected to be and they're fit, I'm questioning. I wouldn't just hand them over for a 25 year old pitcher that had one good season, has good bloodlines, but. Let me see a little bit more. Certainly not in March. Talk to me in July if, you know, the kid is lights out. You know, I'm sure they would love to flip a closer that was not a surefire prospect, despite his last name for a potential impact positional player that's in the top five of the Mets system. Not sure that Billy Epler, who didn't want to do that last year when clearly they could have used an extra bullpen arm and they were in a much different position in August. They were ahead in the division. Now they haven't even played a game. So that that's, that's just fantasy. That's silly fantasy. No elite closer, no elite pitchers available right now. And if they are, you're going to pay through the nose, Zach Britton. You want to go out? You want to sign Zach Britton? He's uh, clearly got a resume. Uh, I I don't know what he's got left. You know, it's been a long time. It's been three years since he's been uh, effective. Maybe more. You know, if you want, if you want to take out the pandemic season, uh, you know, 2019 is the last time he was Zach Britton, who we know and love. He's only 35, 34, but he's been on the scrap heap all winter. Yankees didn't even want to bring him back. So what's up with that? You know, the walk rate. I mean, he's another guy. He's going to drive you crazy. You know, his walk rate's going to be high. His strikeouts are no Diaz. He'll help. He's a veteran, but I'm not quite sure that other than being a veteran – the Mets may have better options right now. What's the bullpen look like without Diaz? Well, you got Robertson. Not even, and I don't think this is just going to be one close. I think Robertson's going to do the lion's share, the closing. But I could see the Mets playing matchups. You know, the middle of the order's up in the 7th inning or the 8th inning. Robertson's going to get the ball. A couple of lefties up in the ninth inning, Rayleigh. is a better fit for this part of the lineup, Adavino. And here's the one guy that I've been talking about all spring that I thought was a really sleeper arm in the bullpen. I've been thinking about him even last year when he was rehabbing. is John Curtis. John Curtis could, and, and I think it's fortunate they signed him. It, was, it, it might go down as a very, uh, one of the better signings that the Mets did, that Epler did in, in the virtual uh, quiet. Nobody thought of it. What is it, anonymity? Anonymity? I mean, that, that's a word I have trouble saying. Blech. Say that 10 times fast. An anonymous signing. Anonymity. Jeez. That's a mad dog Russo (laughs) right in front of you. John Curtis is, I think, critically important. He's a guy that I think – now, he gets pushed up, and with his physical uh, issues with the Tommy John and coming back from Tommy John, they're not going to want to push him, especially early. So putting him into the deeper end of the bullpen pool is probably not ideally what they wanted, but he's there. Tommy Hunter's probably going to make the team. Nogosic. These were things we were going to talk about on Sunday. I mean, that bullpen is crystallized. The kid's gone. The real 5 kid, Zach Green, has gone. Uh, Deoka's hurt. That's a shame for him uh, because he probably would have had an interesting shot. I know Hartwig is a lottery ticket kid. He's gone. He's down in uh, the minors. Kunrad is uh, hurt. And it's, again, a latch strain. All these latch issues with these guys, it's because they throw so hard. and the mechanics really are no good. You know, I don't want to blame driveline, but I keep telling you, let's not get so excited about caveman baseball. Uh, Brigham probably, you know, from the Marlins might make the, the roster. He's got options. Yakobonis is a possibility. He's been pitching well. Buck knows him from Baltimore, you know, to round out the, the roster. You're going to basically have the last bullpen arm, the eighth spot. I don't see it as McGill. I don't see it as Casey. Uh, I, don't, I see those guys needing to go to A Syracuse and stretch themselves out, and the Mets will put them on schedule that when they need a sixth starter, one of the eighth guy in the bullpen with options gets shuttled out and they get brought up. That's why Brigham is probably the guy that'll have the options. Jakobonis, uh let me see right here. Does Yacobonis have options? Yacobonis does not have options. So if you bring Yacobonis north, Brigham's got options. Ridings, you know, he's not going to make the club, but he has another guy. That's where I see Brigham making it, because he's going to get shuttled back and forth. the Cabones, they'll send down, you know, and they'll they'll put him in the minors if that's something that, you know, clears waivers. And and maybe he sticks with the club, and then maybe they'll use him later in the year, seeing how he pitches in AAA. So, and and here's what another thing with the Mets. I have one other thing I had to address before we wrap up. You have all these, you know, you tout all these analytical guys. These all these guys and gals, you want to say, in the front office. This lab of 30 analysts. And you have all this data and all this resources. Steve Cohen's investing in this and that and blah, 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 blah. We always hear about the analytic people. Uh, You think you could find uh, a diamond in the rough out of the bullpen? The Rays do it all the time. The Yankees do it all the time. The Dodgers do it all the time. Now, they're not going to be Diaz. They're not going to have the emotional impact of Diaz, and I could, and they're not going to be the best closer in baseball. But you want to go back to the analytics, the margin from A to B. Can you find somebody that at a pretty high level could navigate three outs in the sixth inning at a high level? I'm not asking for another closer. That's Robertson. Uh, that's his job. That's what you pay him for, $10 million. You know, you want to be smart, you want to tout analytics, you want to say that this, we got this lab now, we got this, we got that, we got 30 people, we got more than anybody else in the lab, blah, 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 blah. Let me see something come out of the lab. I'm not asking for an all-star third baseman out of the lab. I'm not asking for a batting champ out of the lab. They have that already. I'm not asking for a home run king out of the lab. They have that already. You know what I want in 2023 out of the lab? Some depth out of the bullpen. Some starting pitching depth that could give me five innings, two runs, five innings, three runs. Could you get me that? That's not asking a lot, because other teams have done it. So that's the challenge I put back on the organization. Because if you're as smart and as advanced in the last couple of years as you say, those are things you shouldn't have to go out and trade Ronnie Mauricio for. I'm sorry. That's just common baseball sense. You don't need to go to an analytics podcast to know what that's all about. That's my challenge, you know, so I'll I'll throw that out there. No pitcher is going to be acquired. It's a fantasy. And finally, as we wrap up, the WBC. I saw it all. Am I a fan of the WBC? I'm pretty agnostic about it. I haven't really watched much. I mean, I didn't even know about the Diaz thing until it happened eight hours later when I woke up in the morning. Um, you Anyone who says that this is an indictment that the WBC can't be played in March. It needs to be played after this season. And I heard what Scherzer said, and I think Scherzer's right. Mid-season, a big event. We talked about this last week the timing stinks i think because from a marketing standpoint i think the summer i know that maybe from a tv standpoint the summer in the middle of the summer is no good but from a real logistics of the league the middle of the summer where the game is at the attention on the game the lack of really anything else i mean nobody's going to really expect nfl training camp which doesn't start till later in july to be the in some parts of the country it will be the talk all year but for the most part you could navigate being the center of attention in the summer, other than the fact that people are vacationing, and probably from a TV standpoint, the network exists say worst possible time to do this, but you're not you do it in thanksgiving to christmas you're you're in the smack middle of the NFL. Nobody's gonna watch this when there's college football and the NFL going on every Saturday and Sunday. It would be cool to be able to watch a baseball game on Wednesday night at seven thirty a week before Thanksgiving when these guys are and who knows? In some dome somewhere across the globe, yeah, I guess. But I don't think that that's the time where people are thinking baseball. If anything, they're burnt out from baseball and they want to move on and take a break. Even the hardest of hardcore fans needs a break to and do other and, and enter into other sports and other interests. Got the holidays. There's a lot of other things. The best time would be in the middle of the season. Do a season shutdown. You know, I know that there's some ch- challenges with that. Players could keep themselves somewhat healthy. If you do it for over a two-week span or something, maybe there's something there. there. It's complicated. I get that's complicated. I get it. But does it matter if you did this in March, in November, in July? Honestly, I saw the celebration. I have to think, and I know I got criticism for this. You're not a doctor. That's not how this works. I... I could see if they threw the guy or they, banged, like, you know, Kendry Morales, they banged on his head and he broke, and, and freak accidents happen. You could be walking down the street and tear an ACL or tear a tendon. You could do it falling down the stairs. You could do it just stumbling. I mean, Soroka, was he, walking down the dugout steps, po- popped uh, his ACL. Something tells me that was going to pop. Something tells me there was something going on. Something tells me that it was a matter of that. was gonna. It's like when a car... You, you know, you get into an accident or you go down a road and you a car, something happens to your car. If I, if I didn't go down that road, that would, you know, I wouldn't have seen that pothole. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty. Your car breaks down. It's not because you drove it that day. Sometimes it was meant to break down. Yeah, I understand that you don't know for sure. Nobody's going to stop the WBC immediately. Nobody's going to write it into their contract. The Mets are on the hook. For the WBC uh, injury. They're on the hook. I I don't know what the insurance situation with Diaz is. I'm sure there's some insurance they could recoup. Uh, It doesn't matter. That's not what the show's about. And you want to put a stop. And like people are saying. Ban players from going into the WBC. Good luck. I understand. Patriotism. Love of country. Things like that are not cool as they used to be. Today's day and age. But I can tell you for Lindor and Diaz and, and many of the individuals that are sprinkled throughout the WBC representing whatever country they're from, it is. And I know that's a hard concept for some of you from some generation to get, but that's a thing still for people. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I am not going to sit here and be angry that he got this freak accident at the WBC because he might have... Done it walking off the mound in Port St. Lucie, striking out the side against the Astros in the spring. It might have happened in April. Might have happened in July. And guess what? If it was gonna happen, better it happen now because it happens in July. You'll lose them for two seasons, probably. Or parts at least of two seasons. Now at least you know you got him back for next year. Doesn't matter for 2023, doesn't help for the quest in 2023, but. Mets have their closer in 2024. Their bullpen at least has one piece that we can be confident in. And it's not an injury that I I feel like we have to say, well, we'll see what version of Diaz comes back. Yeah, it'll be rusty probably early, but you know, I'm sure I'm sure that's I'm sure that's not the biggest concern we're gonna have for the Mets going into twenty twenty four. All the other yelling is white noise. The WBC didn't do this. It's a freak thing that could happen doing any activity in baseball like Mariana Rivera shagging flies in the outfield. What do you stop every pitcher from walking around the outfield after that? No, of course not. You can't wrap them in bubble wrap. You can't wrap people in bubble wrap. Look, these guys drive to the ballpark. They could get into car accidents. God forbid, happened to Pete Alonso last year. What are you gonna do up? Oh, you can't drive to the park. You need to, you need to go in your pod in the park and stay there all season. It's not how the world works. That's just silly. Grow up. I know you're mad. I know that's their first reaction when you're mad, to, to lash out. The WBC didn't do this. And the WBC and the Mets and the league, the only reason they'll change the WBC is if it makes sense to market the game. That's what this is about. And maybe as Americans who have grown up with this in our blood and exposed to the media presence of this, that doesn't matter, but it does matter throughout the globe. And if this sport is going to grow and procure the best talent throughout the globe, <clears throat> Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani. I'm going to get that name wrong. If he, ever, if he comes here, i got to practice on that name. Um, You know, you need to have people exposed to the game. No different than the dream team in 1992. I mean, look at the NBA now a little bit harder to do it in baseball. Culturally, it's a little harder. Basketball is much more aligned with some of the uh, sports like soccer, like football, I should call it, that are the hub of what some of these other countries grow up experiencing and loving. But it's important. And Edwin Diaz's injury should not be a referendum on the WBC and allowing your players to play in the WBC. Hurt his arm, ramped up. You know, they they did do precautions. They told him, you're not pitching more uh, than X. You're not pitching back-to-back. They gave the instructions to the managers. They took the precaution. That, that was the precaution. Now, if he had pitched three innings, back-to-back nights, stressful pitches, blow out his arm, yeah, I get it. WBC sucks. Not this. Come on. You're smarter than that. And I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to have that conversation. You want to throw it at me? on commentary on Twitter on uh Instagram on on my email whatever so that's what I have for you the Edwin Diaz therapy session the trumpets go silent and that really I mean that doesn't that's not the most important thing that sucks cuz that's a fun entrance i was looking forward i was actually looking forward to the first trumpets entrance this year and i'm sure the mets were looking forward to getting uh narco back timmy trumpets and now that's on pause. I don't know. What's David Robertson's entrance song going to be? It's certainly not going to be as fun as Timmy Trumpet's. I'll tell you that. So anyway, what's next? Um, you know, this is kind of our Grapefruit Roundup. By the way, happy St. Patty's Day. Hope you enjoy yourself. Stay safe. I know that <laughs> talking about Edwin Diaz therapy early on a Friday morning on St. Patty's Day, not probably what you expected or wanted. Uh, grapefruit Roundup. Uh, check out the schedule uh, I think we may skip this Sunday. Uh, I know that there's still some things to talk about. McGill and Peterson, that you know, is heating up. Um, you know, The roster seems set. We're really at the point where the only way that, that spring training was going to have some interest was if something happened. And that, that happened. We just talked about that. Um, and I think we laid out, you know, do we need to lay out the bullpen? I think I did. You know what it is. You know, it's going to be evolving on the, the number seven and number eight slot because that's what bullpens do in 2023. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for joining me on this Friday morning, this special edition, unfortunate special edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can sign up a podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Mike Salat, Talkabetspodcast.com. You can also get me on Instagram, TalkAbout's no G. And of course, I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network and the folks over at RisingApple.com. I am your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy your St. Paddy's Day. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back on the other Podcast soon. Till then, take care, everybody. Take care. But am